What's up, guys? Welcome back inside another episode of Big Easy in the Big Apple. It's your host, Chris Rosvoglu, and it's been about a week since we've had an episode here. And of course, that's because the Saints are on their bye week. And it also doesn't help that the Saints didn't make any moves at the trade deadline. No fault to their own, though. They tried to make moves. Um, we're on the phones. It just it didn't materialize. Some people were upset about it. Most people actually were upset about it. But the reality is it takes two to tango, and the Saints didn't have the necessary trade assets to get it done in terms of having enough picks. They didn't get Emmanuel Sanders and that hurt. Um, and we all have seen him flourish in, with the 49ers. That said, there's a lot of talk about the Saints wide receiver problems and are they going to be able to fix it? Can they work with this team and make it to Super Bowl? And the answer is yes. And before I give my prediction for Saints, Falcons, and, and talk about the match, I want to talk about this wide receiver dilemma that people think um, is going to haunt this team moving forward. I don't think it is because here's the reality. The Saints had chances to get wide receivers. They had a chance to make trades. They tried to make offers. They weren't good enough, and they weren't going to step up their offers for one reason. They like what they have in the building. Michael Thomas, we all know, is one of the three best wide receivers in football, if not the best. The question is who's going to step up after Michael Thomas. And for me, I think they're going to have the pieces there because you have to look at it in terms of not just wide receivers. you got to look at it as pass catchers. And when this team's healthy, you have Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Jared Cook. That's your big three in terms of pass catchers. But when you're healthy, you also have Ted Ginn Jr., Josh Hill, Traquan Smith, and Keith Kirkwood. And I think those four guys are the important ones. They're the unsung heroes because good teams don't let your best players beat you. Your other guys have to beat them. And I think those guys can, and what they've learned, in particular, Ted Ginn and Josh Hill, in the absences of Kamara and Cook, they've learned how to fill roles. I think Josh Hill's been actually a a pleasant surprise this year, and I think some people would agree. And I know there's this need for another wide receiver, but there's not a lot of teams out there that field two good wide receivers at once. The Saints are one of those teams. Now, they're fortunate that they have a rock star in Michael Thomas, and everyone's wondering who the Robin is to Batman. You don't need one. You don't. The 49ers don't have one, the Packers don't have one, and the Saints don't have one, and that's fine. And I know Josh Gordon hit the waiver wire, and everyone was saying, why didn't the Saints put in a claim? Don't you find it a little suspicious that the Seahawks were the only team out of 32 that put in a claim for Josh Gordon? You don't find it a little weird that the Patriots, who need offensive playmakers, decided to cut bait with Josh Gordon? You don't find that suspicious at all? A team that will take on anyone if you're good at football decided Josh Gordon, we can't deal with him right now, and he's just not good enough personally to keep with the distractions. You don't find that weird? I do. So I don't think Josh Gordon was, a, you know, not getting him was a make or break move for this Saints season. I think if anything, it shows you they're comfortable with Kirkwood, who's going to be back in two weeks, and they're comfortable with Traquan, who will see the injury report in the coming days and figure out whether or not he's going to play this Sunday against Atlanta. So I think the Saints have the guys in the room. Now, the last point I want to bring up before I just completely go to the Saints-Falcons game is let's look at last year's team. Yeah, they didn't have great wide receivers. They didn't even have Jared Cook. And 
um, at the time, Ben Watson was number one tight end, was out for the NFC Championship game, and Keith Kirkwood was out because of injuries. The Saints had a bunch of injuries, and at the end of the day, the biggest reason they didn't make the Super Bowl was because of a blown call. I didn't hear anyone complaining saying the Saints didn't make the Super Bowl because we didn't have a wide receiver too. You guys were all complaining, myself included, that the, Sa- the Saints got hosed by a horrible call. You can't have it both ways. Either stick to it and say the Saints lost that game because we didn't have another playmaker opposite Michael Thomas, or say the truth and what actually happened. This team was good enough to win a Super Bowl last year, but they didn't have um, a call go their way. That's the deal. And we saw it last year they were good enough to do it. We saw it the year before they were good enough to do it. It's just been freak play after freak play. They're not losing these games because they don't have another wide receiver on the roster. So everyone needs to stop complaining about whether or not this team needs another wide receiver because right now with the way they're currently constructed, when they get Kirkwood back, they get Traquan back, you'll see they're going to be a lot better on offense. They have not peaked, and that's the best part about this Saints team this year. When we come back on the podcast, I'm going to talk about the Saints versus Falcons matchup this Sunday, a pretty big NFC Divisional showdown. I know that Atlanta's not good this year, but it's always fun when these two teams get together, and I'll tell you what matchups are important and what's going to decide this NFC South showdown. Welcome back inside Big Easy in the Big Apple. And before we get into the prediction for Saints versus Falcons and the key matchups that's going to decide that NFC South showdown, let's go over the injury report and see what's going on for the Saints as of Wednesday afternoon. And the big one is Alvin Kamara. He's limited still with that ankle and knee injury. And the reality is if he's not a a full participant at practice um, on Thursday or Friday, I think that the team has to consider holding him out for another week. And the reality is that you don't want to have him come back and re-aggravate that ankle injuries. Ankle injuries could be tricky. You want to make sure you get it right the first time. The Saints have to think about the long-term status of Kamara, not just what he can do in the media future. And I'm sure if he plays on Sunday, he'll have a good performance. Um, but you can't risk him going down because the Saints aren't just pushing for an NFC South crown. They're pushing for the number one seed in the NFC. They're pushing for a playoff run, a championship run. And that doesn't happen if they don't have Alvin Kamara. So hopefully... He practiced he practice in full either Thursday or Friday afternoon. And if not, then the Saints, maybe you ride it out one more week completely relying on Latavius Murray and then bring Kamara back for the Tampa Bay game. Or who knows, maybe he sits another week after that. You, you really don't know. Um, this is a tricky situation, but they have to make sure they get it right. On the bright side, Jared Cook and Traquan Smith were both full, and that's going to be big for the Saints. Jared Cook, I know he gets a lot of you know criticism from the fans because He's not that tough tight end that's going to catch everything over the middle, make contested catches that they want. But Jared Cook's a really good tight end, and there's not a lot of good ones in the NFL, and he's one of the exception. And I, I think what the Saints need more than anything right now is just a good pass catcher. It doesn't matter if it's a wide receiver, a running back, or a tight end. They just need someone else that can take the pressure off of Michael Thomas. And I was saying this before, and I'll say it again. Before Cook got injured, he had a really big touchdown catch that gave them the win over the Jaguars. And before that... He actually had his best game against the Buccaneers where they were using him in one-on-one situations. He actually should have had two touchdowns. Teddy overthrew him um, on what seemed like a fade toward the right uh, corner of the end zone. And I think, honestly, with the two weeks off, uh, three if you add the bye week, I think he had enough time to get you know acclimated even more further with the system, 
Drew Brees said that he worked with him on the sidelines while the two of them are out. So you hope that the chemistry is good there. I, I think he's in for a big game. And the reason I also think he's in for a big game, um, if he does play on Sunday and it looks like he will, the Falcons don't cover tight ends well. They've struggled against Jared Everett. They st- struggled against the Texans tight ends like Fells, who had two touchdowns. So it's pretty clear that they're not great at covering tight ends and they're not great at covering them in the red zone. Um, and I think that's where Cook can thrive on Sunday. And I'll talk about more matchups in a second. The other guy who was practicing in full, who I just alluded to before, is Traquan Smith. And Traquan's another guy who fans harp on for being hurt. And I understand it because, you know, availability is one of the best abilities. And if Traquan Smith's not available, then we could talk all day about how quick he is and how much potential the UCF product has. But if he's not on the field, it doesn't matter. Well, now he's going to be back. He suffered that ankle injury in week two against the Rams, completely rushed back and hurt himself in the Bucks game, and then missed, I believe it was, what, three more games after that? So that was frustrating. And the, and like I said with Kamara, ankle injuries are tricky. Clearly, Traquan rushed back, and that's why he was back on the shelf again for a couple of weeks. But now he's had three to four weeks to heal. I think he's going to be in great shape. And what Traquan does, better than anyone else on the Saints, is spread the field because I think the Saints are starting to realize Ted Ginn is not the one-trick pony he was anymore where he's just going to flat-out outrun a DB. He can outrun outrun most of them, but he's not as quick as he used to be, and that's what happens when you get older, obviously. Traquan, on the other hand, can do that, and what Traquan could do better than Ted Ginn is catch the ball in traffic. We see him make some incredible catches um, over his year and a half in New Orleans. And he's also had some big games. Look at the game against the Eagles last year. Um, he had a big re- uh, receiving touchdown week one against the Texans this season. And week two before he got hurt and on the play he got hurt against the Rams, he looked explosive out of his break. And I think the Saints can definitely use that back in their offense. I know people were frustrated they didn't trade for a wide receiver, and I talked about it in the first half of the episode. Um, I think this is why the Saints were content if they don't make that big deal. They were like, all right, we have our guys in-house. Traquan's going to be back this weekend, and we'll see what he could do. Um, But I think he's got Drew Brees' trust. I think he's a pretty electric player and at the very least in an offense that could have Michael Thomas, Jared Cook, Alvin Kamara, Ted Ginn um, and and all those weapons at Latavius Murray, the defense won't have enough time to focus on a Traquan Smith and he can have a nice strong half um, to finish this season. Now let's get into matchups. Let's talk about the X's and O's and what's going to decide who comes out on top this weekend. The first one for me is the marquee matchup and that is Marshawn Lattimore versus Julio Jones. Saints fans crack jokes about Julio Jones. Falcons uh, fans crack jokes about Michael Thomas. The reality is they are the two uh, top wideouts in this league. You want to throw in Hopkins to make it the three, that's fine. But they're two of the very best in the business. And Julio, even on a down year for the Falcons, continues to show he's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. He's got 50 receptions for 712 yards. Um, And I know his TDs have gone down since the first couple weeks of the season, but Julio's a threat to score on every single play. He's strong, he's explosive, and he runs every route in the route tree. So the key here is not Marshawn shutting down Julio. I don't think Julio is like Mike Evans where Lattimore can completely take him out of the game. The key is, can you limit it? Can you keep him to 80, 70 yards? Can you keep him in that ballpark? Um, And I think they can. And the reason I think the Saints secondary is not going to struggle as much as people might think is they're forgetting what the Falcons did a couple of weeks ago, they traded Muhammad Sanu. And Atlanta, what they had better than ever, anyone else was a nice trio of wide receivers. We can talk about receiving duos and all that, but in, ter- in terms of trios, it didn't get any better than Julio, um, Calvin Ridley, and Muhammad Sanu. And for those thinking Sanu is not that good of a player, 
He just had 10 catches for 80-plus yards and a touchdown for the Patriots. And the Patriots traded a second-round pick uh, to get him for a reason. They don't think that he's a scrub. They know at the very least he's a wide receiver, too, and he's a talented one at that. So not having Sanu takes the pressure off the Saints. Now it's just two receivers you really have to focus down on, and I think they will. And if you're Lattimore, just don't get beat over the top. You can accept those short routes that Julio burns most people on, um, but just don't get beat on the big plays, and he should be fine. Um, But the way he's playing, the way he's answered the call against top receivers like Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, DJ Chark, I trust him. I, I really do. I think Julio is gonna uh, Julio is gonna have a couple of plays where we're scratching our heads on you know where was Lattimore, but ultimately I don't think Julio is gonna just dominate this game and take over. I think Lattimore is gonna do a fine job on him, and if he does, the Saints will be just fine moving forward. The next matchups, you know, more focused on the Saints' offense, and for me, that's Eric McCoy and what he's able to do. McCoy's been great. I, I know the Saints didn't have a first round pick this year, but with the way McCoy's playing, it's almost as if they got a first-round pick because he's been great as a rookie center, and that's not easy to do. Um, but he's going to have his hands full with Grady Jarrett on Sunday. Grady Jarrett is, I think, what Atlanta fans wanted out of Vic Beasley. They got out of Grady Jarrett. Both Clemson players, both in the same draft. Jarrett's been the better one, um, and, and I think that's going to be a tough matchup for McCoy. And, and the last game that Grady Jarrett had, he had eight tackles in the sack against Seattle. Granted, they are not close to New Orleans' offensive line, but he's shown that he could be a handful. So if the rookie can put Grady Jarrett and neutralize him, it just really helps Drew Brees. He'll have a nice, clean pocket. I'm not worried about those edge rushers that Atlanta has. I think Ramchek and Armstead have first, you know, far better players. They've versed Shaq Barrett. They've versed um, Khalil Mack. So they've had their, you know, their share of guys. Chandler Jones the week before that. Um, so I don't think they're going to be scared about a Tack McKinley or a Vic Beasley. I don't think that's going to bother them. I think the the tackles are going to be just fine. That's why I don't have them in my marquee matchups. Um, But I think McCoy versus Grady Jarrett is going to be something worth watching. Um, And if McCoy can just take him out of the game, you take away Atlanta's best defensive lineman. You're going to run the football well with Latavius Murray and Alvin Kamara if AK-41 plays. And you're going to give number nine a bunch of time to throw. And that brings me to my final matchup. And it's more of a generic one in terms of who I'm picking out from Atlanta secondary, but I'm going Drew Brees versus that Atlanta secondary. Drew Brees is due for another big game. And the reason I say that is not just because Atlanta um, is one and seven and New Orleans is coming off a bye and they had multiple time to prepare it because those factors do obviously play into it. But if you look at the way Atlanta's played on defense in particular, It's been atrocious. We're talking about Kyler Murray lighting them up. We're talking about Deshaun Watson and the Texans putting up 50-plus points. We're talking about the Rams, who looked anemic on offense. Before the Rams beat the Falcons, they were embarrassed by the 49ers. Absolutely embarrassed. Jared Goff had 78 passing yards, and then they played Atlanta, and everyone thought Jared Goff was this MVP-type quarterback. That's how bad Atlanta's defense has been. So I think Breeze is in for a big one. And if we watch, you know, look back at the tape from last year, um, Drew Brees picked apart Atlanta's secondary so many times in their final meeting that he threw four touchdown passes to four undrafted pass catchers. Dan Arnold, Austin Carr, Keith Kirkwood. Um, he just kept spreading the love. So, and Tommy Lee Lewis at the time, who I know is a you know, uh, you know, name that we shouldn't mention, but he was one of those guys. That's how easy it was. So if Drew can pick apart this Atlanta secondary, I don't see a formula for the Falcons pulling off the upset. It's going to be division game. The Falcons are going to be in it from the you know from kickoff. They're going to be motivated to pull off the upset and try and turn the second half of the season around. 
But if Drew Brees has all the time in the world and he's picking apart a secondary that isn't talented and we've seen just let opposing quarterbacks, you know, put up 30 at will, I think Drew Brees is in for a big game. And, and as long as that happens, I don't see how this team loses. They're playing great on defense over the past month and a half. And now you have Drew Brees back under center. He looked really good in the Cardinals game. I think he's going to look even better this Sunday. And I think that's going to be something worth watching. Now, for my prediction, I'm going to go pretty simple here with this one. I think it's going to be 34-17 Saints. I know that's a big number, and I usually keep it low. I usually say the Saints win by possession, win by a field goal around that. Here's the way I look at it. The Saints have no excuse to lose this game. It doesn't mean they're not going to lose this game because anything can happen on any given Sunday. But the Saints are the better offense. They're the better defense. Uh, they have the better coaching staff. And they're just playing better right now. You have a chance to put Atlanta's season to bed officially. They One in seven, you're obviously done. But one in eight's even worse. Put them to bed right now and, and you know, just let them bask in their own misery. The Saints should run away with this game. Now, the defense has played well. And I've mentioned, you know, the pass rush is, you know, back in action with Davenport and Cam Jordan and Trey Hendrickson and those boys. And the secondary is playing really well with Lattimore, Eli Apple, Von Bell, Marcus Williams. 17 points seems like a lot, but we also have to count. And what I'm doing with this prediction is counting for garbage time. The Saints have taken control of a lot of games. And then at the end, the last minute, we'll see a touchdown happen. And it kind of makes the score look a little bit closer than it was. I think this is one of those games where, you know, maybe the Falcons get a late touchdown at the end because we can all make fun of Matt Ryan and crack the, the jokes of him being a choke artist or, you know, Matty Ice Cole, whatever you want to say. Matt Ryan's not going to quit. So even if it's 34 to 10 and there's a minute left, he's going to try and get that touchdown at the end. And who knows? He probably will um, with the game being over the Saints playing a lax type defense. But that's what I'm going with. I'm going with 34-17 Saints. That would improve them to 8-1 on the year. And what that would also do if they get the win, it put them a full game over the Green Bay Packers, who, by the way, play the Carolina Panthers. So the result of that game is going to be important regardless. Either the Saints could potentially go two games up on the Green Bay Packers for the second seed, or the Saints can go three games up on the division if they win and Green Bay beats Carolina. So that's an important game for Saints fans to tune into as well. But, you know, this is going to be a, a nice divisional matchup. I think they're going to be, you know, stoked to play Atlanta, put their season to bed, and end Atlanta um, for 2019. Um, but it's going to be a good game, and we should see fireworks from both offenses. I know the Saints defense is really good, but it's going to be tough to put Julio down um, for that long. But like I said, 34-17 Saints should be a fun one, should be another chance to watch Drew Brees nibble a little bit closer at Tom Brady and Peyton Manning on the all-time touchdown list because I think he's going to toss three touchdown passes in that game. But that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of the week. Um, enjoy the weekend, and let's hope the Saints are able to put down the, the Dirty Birds.